Mark 10, 60. People are greedy. The little children. To Jesus! Brandon placed his hands on him. But the disciples rebuked Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God. Yai, Ayo, Tago will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. And they placed his hand on them. And yes, then. Mark 10, 13. Through? Through 16. Lord be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, for us, as you probably imagined and saw uh, with the kids reading and so forth, is something that uh, we call uh, Preschool Sunday. And when I had the opportunity to preach this Sunday, immediately this passage came to mind that Jesus blesses the children. I am very excited and enthusiastic about having an opportunity to teach about this because I believe Jesus has two clear teaching. He teaches us two things. One for the kids, but also one from the kids today. So I want to spend some time talking about that. And as we begin, I'd like to ask the Lord to bless our time. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to come before your word. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us and that you would translate to us in our own minds and hearts the things that we need to know out of this passage. Thank you for Jesus blessing the children and teaching us great lessons about childlike faith. Thank you. It's in his name that we ask this. Amen. So there was a phrase that uh, Pastor Logan shared with me about, I think parents use around our uh, preschool, and they say, let's learn from the littles. And I love that because the fact is, is that Jesus is, is modeling that. That in this passage, we have an opportunity to learn from the littles, the little kids. And they become models to us. So in the two lessons, we want to look and learn from what Jesus is modeling. You know, I had the opportunity with my wife, Lisa, to go to the coast and spend some time with, with our grandkids and our, our children. And we have a brand new grandchild. Her name is Raylan. She's about a uh, month old. And we have an older grandchild that's 21 months. Her name is Naomi. And apparently it takes three adults to watch an eight-pound baby. 
and one adult to watch a 21-month-old. So I got the charge with Naomi, and man, we had a blast. It was a, a weekend to remember. We became buds. We bonded. We learned all about lizards, and we listened to airplanes flying over, and we talked about lots of things. I didn't really understand what she was saying, but I was engaged. It was a blast. So this passage makes me kind of think about that interaction and warms my heart because Jesus starts off in the first lesson is that we learned that it's for kids that Jesus blessed the children. It's really, really important. This passage is one of a few passages, well, about 40% of the passages that are in all three of the what's called the synoptic gospels. The synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They basically tell the, the history and the life of Jesus. The stories that are in all three were stories that the, the, the writers of the gospel wanted to make sure that later readers would understand that those were in. They were important to them. This story is in all three of the synoptic gospels. It was important to the gospel writers. What's also important is things that we don't understand is that Jesus was raising the value of children. Jesus did that all the time. If you look at the context of this account, before uh, this account, the gospel writers in two of the gospels talk about women. And Jesus lifts up and promotes the protection of women who were being randomly divorced and made destitute by actions of uh, men. And Jesus was teaching ways to protect them. He always lifts up the disadvantaged. Here, it's children. He raises the value of, of children. We don't understand. We think this is a nice story, but Jesus is literally changing history. In the ancient Near East, uh, in Judaism, as well as the Roman and the Greek culture, children were not valued. In fact, they were so not valued in Roman and Greek society that if you didn't want a child, for example, if it were a female, they would cast it out and they wouldn't take care of it. Actually, it became an important factor of the church. Jesus changed the culture of the church to, to include children. That's where orphanages come from. The Christians would go get these cast-off children and raise them as their own because of the value that Jesus put on children. We also know it's important because it was personally important to Jesus. If we read in, in verse 14, we see that when the disciples are limiting the children from coming to him. Look at Jesus' reaction. Verse 14, he says, But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. That word indignant has the idea of feeling pain. Jesus wasn't slightly annoyed with his disciples. He was angry. He was upset with them. And he gives them two Sharp commands. He barks out, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. A positive example, let them, encourage them to come to me. And don't do anything to hinder or prevent them. God forbid we would do something in our lives that would promote uh, the hindering of children coming to 
exactly where Jesus wants them to be in his presence for his blessing. Uh, we were uh, in a store a number of years ago, Lisa and me. We were in line behind a student. The student was purchasing some clothing, and the clerk was being rude to her. And I heard the whole conversation. It wasn't as if the, the young person was being disrespectful or angry or snotty or whatever. But the clerk was being kind of mean and, and rude to this young person. And I was getting angry. I was a youth pastor for 20 years. And I think young people are sometimes just treated badly because they're young. And I was starting to get agitated. I was starting to move around. And Lisa just reached over and grabbed my arm and squeezed me and said, let it alone, Doug. Let it alone. What makes us angry is important to us. Jesus got angry with the children being prevented to come to him. It was personally important to him. We also know it was important by verse 16. It, it says that, that uh, he brought them into his arms. Imagine that. The most important person that anybody could think of stops everything and brings the children and, and holds him. And it says that he blessed them. That's kind of weak in the, in the English. In the original language, it is that he fervently blessed them. So imagine the scene that he's allowing the children. The, the language when it says they were bringing the children to him said they were continually trying to bring children to him. So this wasn't a five-minute hiatus from important adult stuff that he just stopped and said a little pat on the head blessing to the children. No, he, he stopped everything that was happening, welcomed the children, brought them in his arms, and spoke blessing. Well, that doesn't translate very well to us. We don't understand it. Pastor Logan has been mentioning uh, a book that he's been reading on blessing and how, especially in the ancient Near East, in Jewish society, a rabbi would bless. They would speak words of truth and blessing over children. It was important that Jesus did that. He stopped everything else to be able to, to do that. So we also learn from Jesus that it is our job too. It should be important to us to bless children. We should acknowledge them and listen to them. We should make sure they know the blessings that Jesus hoisted upon them, put them upon them, proclaimed over them especially for parents. God forbid if I would ever have done things, which I probably did, in hindering my kids from understanding the full blessings of who Jesus is. We all do in some ways. But our goal is to open the door. Let the children come to Him. What I loved about being over at the coast with my, my son-in-law, Tristan, and, and Rachel, my daughter, was that they are modeling their faith. They will stop and they will say, people or, or dad will pray over the meal. I got an opportunity to read a book to Naomi when she went to sleep. Great time. But you know what was even greater? I saw her dad pick her up and say, Naomi, it's time to go to bed. And we need to pray. And, and do you know that, that, that we love you and that Jesus loves you? My kids are modeling their faith before them. The best way we bless our children is by living our faith before them. Parents, we have opportunity through our, our children's uh, director, Courtney. She gives a, a children's sermon, sends out packets and, and 
things you can download and get on our, our website. Anybody can use those. Take the time to go through with those kids. Help them learn. Learn with them and learn from them. Also, we encourage families to worship together by watching the service online. And we know that the little rugrats are poking each other, picking their nose and fighting. And it might be easier that they're not in the room, but it's important that they are. They see you learning by watching a pastor preach, by, by understanding. We write the questions that we might use at the end of the, the sermon simply so that your kids can engage, your teenagers and your elementary kids and even younger can engage on those. It is our job to learn what Jesus told us to do. First lesson, to bless the children. The second thing that Jesus teaches and is so wonderful about this passage is that Jesus says we need to learn from our children. They are our models. But that creates a little bit of a tension, doesn't it? The fact is, is that I wouldn't choose children as a model of what adult faith should be like. Oh, I mean, we might look at a great saint in the Old Testament, or we might follow Jesus, or look at Paul. Those are all great examples. A child? I don't know. It goes further, and just to create a little more tension, the Apostle Paul talks a little bit about this in 1 Corinthians 13. He says this, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man... I put away childish things. So what is it? Is it that, like Jesus said, we're supposed to be like children? Or is it, like Paul says, we need to put away childish things? One of the teaching team members reminded me of a phrase that maybe you've heard too, and that our faith needs to, to be childlike, but not childish. And I think today we will begin to pull that apart and see how we can be people that are like children in our faith, but not childish. We are to be adults and grow up and grow in maturity, yes. But to receive the kingdom and to move ahead, we need to be like a child. If you're like me, Jesus says something like children are the model of our faith. So I analyze and say, great, I know how to do this. I'm going to look at a kid. I'm going to say, these are the traits that a child has. I'm going to pick the ones I think that Jesus wants me to be like. I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to be like that. But it isn't what the children have. In fact, it is not the qualities that the children have that allow them to receive the kingdom of God. It is what they don't have. Let me repeat that. It isn't the qualities that children have that allows them to receive the kingdom it is what they don't have naomi is so cute bright good looking of course she's my granddaughter but she does this one thing that just melts your heart she'll try to do things on her own she's a little model of kind of what people are like, right? We like to do things on our own. But every once in a while, she'll go along, she can't open a package, she can't get the puzzle piece in, whatever it might be. And she says, help, please. And every adult in the room runs. You see, it isn't what they have, it's what they represent of what they don't have. 
There's a couple of commentators that talked about a trait that's about children that kind of capsulated it for me. They talked about children and their littleness. Children are little. They have a sense of littleness. It describes what they don't have. And I thought of three traits that are really poignant. Traits of littleness. Children are weak. They have no power. They can be pushed aside easily. They are needy. If someone doesn't come along and feed them and change their diaper and, and encourage them and love them, they, they will not do well. And they are helpless. They have the inability to take care of themselves. They have to be fed and taken care of and loved on. And the fact is, is that these traits of littleness are exactly the traits that Jesus is highlighting in what we should be like. And why should we do this? Because there are great things that Jesus teaches in this passage about how he responds to littleness. The first thing that Jesus does, Jesus moves towards the quality of littleness. He moves towards it. Verse 14, it says, but when Jesus saw it, he got angry. And then he said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. He is drawn to littleness. When he sees people respond to him and they are weak and helpless and needy, he moves to them. He wants to bring them in. He wants people to get out of the way that they may not be hindered to get to him. He wants to respond to people who have childlike faith in their littleness. Secondly, Jesus literally, Jesus defines faith by littleness. He says in verse 15, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. That is the model of children. That we need to be needy and weak and helpless. We don't like that. In a very real sense, we like being in charge. Like Naomi likes to do things on her own. We like to be in charge. But Jesus said the only way to receive the kingdom is by being childlike. To have that littleness that reports to us the unpleasant fact that we are weak and needy and helpless. The kingdom of God can be defined as wherever Jesus' rule and reign exists. The kingdom of God is received and is in the life of the believer because not only does he come in as Savior, he comes in as Lord to rule and to reign over the lives and to help lead us as believers in this life and in the next. Thirdly, Jesus blesses littleness. Verse 16, remind me that he took him in his arms and he blessed them and he placed his hands on them. Not only did Jesus physically do that that day, I believe he was teaching us that he blesses littleness. The quality that he calls out 
for us to copy in children is that sense of littleness, and he blesses it. He knows the kids have no power. He lifts them up, and he gives his power to them. He doesn't leave them in the littleness. He doesn't leave us in the littleness. He adopts us into his family and blesses us. He always responds with blessing as we realize and as we understand the littleness of of our lives. So as we think about Jesus' teaching, we do need to respond. So I want to take some time to talk about how we have this littleness in our lives. The first thing we need to do is realize. Realize is defined as to become fully aware of something as a fact. We need to realize that we have littleness. We are weak and needy and helpless when it comes to spiritual life. We can define the difference between where we are as as people who have sinned and a holy God as if we were standing on one side of the Grand Canyon and God was on the other side of the Grand Canyon. And some of us might be super athletic and be able to get further to the, closer to the other side. We may jump 20 feet further than anybody, but ultimately we end up as a little puff on the bottom of the Grand Canyon like Wile E. Coyote. doesn't matter how great we think we are. It doesn't matter. It's mis- or disinformation to think that if I could just be good enough, that's like, a, like leaping the Grand Canyon. We need a Savior. We need to realize that we cannot do this on our own. When I was thinking through what this was all about, I was remembering back to, to Thursday, my quiet time. And Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God there. And he was talking about it as a story about a banquet that a king was throwing. And he got it all ready and went out to invite people. And nobody came. And one of the phrases that that spoke to me, that jumped off the page, was that they went to their farms and their businesses. And I was really convicted by that. Because even though I've walked with with Jesus for quite a while. I can get very busy with my life. I can get pretty sufficient in being able to run my life and to do my business. And even though I'm a pastor, I can get distracted with self. So whether we're people who, who have put our faith in Jesus or not, littleness is a quality that helps us grow and to be effective in our faith. But I also want to talk to those of us listening today that you're basically kind of shaking your head and and you say, well, you don't know me and you don't know what I've done. 
Because I think there's something true that is universal. Whether you happen to follow Jesus as, as in your life or you happen to just know about him, he is universally respected. There are very few people on the planet that wouldn't necessarily think Jesus is great. You know, he healed people. He taught people. He was four children and the downtrodden. He talked about people that were very, very far from him. And he protected them. He loved them. You may be saying, man, I, I think this Jesus character is probably really great. And I can personally attest to the fact that he's awesome. And his kingdom is probably great. And I can attest to that too but I'm not sure. It's a place that I'd be welcomed. Well, you're in luck, friend, because that's the quality that he's talking about. When you realize something's tugging on your heart today and you realize, I have nothing. <laughs> Man, I've kind of driven my life into a ditch or I've been very successful, but there's got to be more than houses and boats and, and success. And maybe there's something tugging in your heart and you're just a little worried that this great Jesus and his kingdom is a place for you. Well, that's what he's teaching us in this passage. That it is for you. It is for those who, who realize, man, I am far. I've kind of messed up my life. I've lived my life the way I want and it's not turning out the way I want. There's got to be something more. That's the trait that we find that's weakness. That's needy, that's helpless. Because I'm just going to tell you, join the club. Because we are all in the same category. you got to realize it. The second thing is you have to receive it. Notice Jesus does not say that the little children earn it. The little children work hard and grab it. No, they receive it. It is an act of faith. The teachings of Jesus are all complete with the idea that the kingdom of God is given in faith by grace as a free gift. We quote uh, Ephesians chapter 2 a lot around here because it says that it is by grace that you are saved, not by works. It's like jumping the Grand Canyon. There's no works that we can do. It is by grace and it is a free gift and we need to receive it. And children know how to receive something. We got a little pull string helicopter. Lisa brought it over and we gave that to Naomi and she loved it. It was wonderful. She showed it. She said, Peepaw, help me, help me do it. And so I put it on there and we flew it a couple times and it got broken but she just received it. What are your children like on Christmas Day or their birthday? They just receive something. They have the ability to understand that people are loving on them and giving them a gift. They don't think like adults are like, oh, how am I supposed to thank this person? How am I supposed to, you know, uh, maybe I have to get them a gift or something. No, they don't think that way. They just take it. Quick thanks and they're off playing with it. They play, play with it until it's broken. They know how to receive. We need to receive like a child. And the third thing is we need to rejoice. What do children do when they get a gift from a, a parent or adult? 
They're ecstatic. You would think that we bought her a Ferrari when we bought that little toy that broke. It was the best thing ever. And she just rejoiced. You see, when we understand and we realize that we don't have any assets and we just by faith receive the kingdom of God, what's left but to just rejoice and say, thank you, God. You have done it all. You have made it happen. You know, I had an interaction with Naomi that illustrates exactly this. You see, we were spending some time in the backyard walking the dogs. We have two dogs. Uh, Mo is a Shih Tzu Yorkie mix, uh, mix, and he's uh, black and white and 90% hair. He weighs eight pounds soaking wet. And he's the one, because he can't pull over a toothpick, right? So I let Naomi walk him. He's lazy. Half the time he walks behind us. Ten steps, he's worn out. But he had a hurt foot, so he couldn't walk very much. And so Naomi still wanted to walk the dogs. We had to put Mo on, on the, uh, in the shade and lapping up water, a little drink with the umbrella. Not that part. But Naomi insisted that we do the walking of the dogs. She kept saying, walk, walk, walk. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I said, I, I, I got it. You can walk to Max. And Max is a 13-pound is a Yorkie, and he's all muscle, especially between the ears. If he sees a lizard or, or a uh, bird, he's going to run off, and Naomi's going to be drug across the lawn, not much to the joy of my kids. They will probably never let me babysit him again. But the fact is, is that this child would not give up on him. So I said, okay, well, let Peepaw hold the handle for you. No, 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 she didn't want to do that. I said, okay, well, I'm going to be tricky. I'm older than her. I'm smarter than her. I'm going to be tricky. I'll just hold the leash. And she's, no, no, she pulled it out of my hand. I was like, okay, this is not going to turn out good. So I looked at Max. He looked a little tired. He was kind of worn out. He was looking longingly at where Mo was. And so, okay, it'd probably be okay. So I, I let her go and I'm watching because I think he's going to take off in any minute and, and send her a flying. Well, we walk around a few minutes. And Mac has, Max has a mind of his own. He, he starts looking back at where Mo is, and he's a little hot and tired. He doesn't want to do this walking around thing anymore. And so he starts going to Mo. And Naomi's like, no, 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 we want to go this way, and trying to coax him to go and pull and go and pull. And he, she can't pull him. He's like doing whatever he wants. I'm kind of encouraging, you know, I want to go and sit in the shade and drink a little drink with a, you know, umbrella in and that kind of thing. Naomi it wants to walk. So she's starting to get more and more and more upset. I'm thinking, oh, gosh, you're getting red-faced and I'm going to be in trouble. Finally, she just gets so frustrated. She says, help, please, help. Well, my heart melts. Okay, this dog is going to follow my commands. So I step in and I said, oh, okay. So I walk over there and I call Max over. He follows me. And I'm walking along, and she is ecstatic to be able to, to walk Max. And we're walking around. We look like a little train. And she is so happy. You see, Naomi is a lot like regular people, you and me. She wants to do it on her own. She doesn't want to be limited by being weak and helpless and needy. She wants to be powerful and strong. But Jesus said, that is the model of those who receive the kingdom of God. 
And when I stepped in and responded to her need, when she realized she can't get Max to go the right way, she asked, and I responded. She received my help, and she rejoiced in being able to see what she wanted to happen, happen. Well, that's like you and me. And you know, I've walked with Jesus for over 40 years. And every time I talk about how great he is and how much he loves us and how he wants us to come to him. But we need to to copy the children and be willing to receive, to know that, to realize and know we are needy. We can't get there on our own and receive. And then just to rejoice at his gift. There is no greater thing that makes God happy than when people who feel like that in faith receive him and rejoice. And all of heaven rejoices with them. So I would like to pray. And I would like to to lead you in a prayer. And maybe God is working and tugging on your heart and you're ready. You, You know that you need some help in this situation. You're ready to receive and find that joy. I'd like to pray for, for you and with you. And I'd like all of us to do it because we need to remind ourselves when we walked with Jesus first time today or for 40 or 60 years, it is the littleness of our lives that Jesus responds to, that Jesus provides for. So join me in prayer. Repeat after me, and I'd like everybody to do it. Jesus, I need you. I need you to enter my life. Please forgive me. I know the cross takes care of my sin. And I receive that work in my life. I receive you in my life. I receive by faith your kingdom. I thank you and rejoice in the fact that you want me in your kingdom. You want to be in relationship with us. You want us. So I receive that. I believe in you. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. And I will do my best to follow you however erringly the rest of my life and into eternity. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe it's been multiple times, but especially for those who've prayed it for the first time, I'm putting my phone number, my personal phone number down. I'd love to talk with you. You can text me. If you want to call, I'd love to pray for you and help you in any way. Everybody else can, but I'd love to hear from you if you've put your faith in Jesus today so that I can encourage you and we can rejoice together. And together realize that God is smiling on you.